Blog Talk Radio. show planned here for you. You guys may have remembered, uh, or you may remember, rather, uh, that we had a very special female lady on with us, and uh, she's going to hopefully, I got to check the switchboard, but hopefully um, be on with us again here pretty soon, Uh, meaning today, tonight at some point. If she's not on yet, I was just checking the switchboard here. That's why I paused. Yeah, Deb Gardner, uh, you know, she uh, would love to, you know, join us, you know, not all the time, but she'd like to join us every once in a while because, uh, well, one, she she loves Granny Hulkster, and she's hoping Granny Hulkster will, like, post some kind of wrestling picture on uh, her Pleasure Palace page, and, uh, you know, she thinks that the icon is kind of cute. Of course, she's only seen me with a paper bag on my head. And, nice, uh, nice. you know, um, I, uh, I showed does, a picture. Does she like the long of, hair or does she prefer it short? She likes the long hair. And I actually showed hair. a picture. Okay. Yeah. And I showed her a picture of you, Big Swing. Oh boy. Uh, your head on Edge's body. Okay. I, I mean, I I'll, her, I'll, I'll I take it. I photoshopped I'll it. take it. I photoshopped it. She's like, I'll take it. One handsome. Uh, and she said, and I quote, he's one handsome son of a gun. Oh, and by the way, ladies and gentlemen, in case you guys uh, didn't know... This is Colin from Minnesota Metal Band Celestial Drift. You're rocking Attitude Era Live with my guy, the Icon. Oh my God, who the hell cares? I need to go out and I need to get, I need to get a Granny Hulkster one uh, that says, Hey, you know, you're rocking with Granny Hulkster, yada, yada, yada. Uh, whether Common wants to make one or not, um, got to get her one as well. Granny is Bob, on here I'm with gonna, us. I'm going to ask him. I'm going to ask him to redo that for us. Yeah, I'm sure he would be down. I'm sure he would be down. 
So, so what's up with you? Here's, here's the thing. So, so she's coming on tonight. Um, we have obviously two guests. We had one, uh, one cancel on us uh, due to family obligations, which is totally fine. Family always comes first uh, in every situation, so can't be, can't be too mad about that. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about Raw uh, tonight and the reign of terror from Baron Corbin. Um, and, uh, and we'll talk a little bit about the upcoming pay-per-view as well. Uh, Alexa Bliss uh, running the <laughs> women's division and, uh, and a whole bunch of things. But um, I kind of see your Bison had a big... Big uh, quarterfinal win in the FCS playoffs. Yeah, uh, I was worried in that game for about the first two minutes. They started out, they got a 75-yard pass play uh, down to the the five-yard line. And and, uh, we stopped them. They ended up getting a field goal, and then they didn't score again until five minutes left in the third. Uh, Their biggest pass play was a 75-yarder. Their second biggest pass play was a 12-yarder. So... (laughs) So, yeah, so now we got Colgate. Let me tell you something about Colgate. I don't know if you guys heard about this, but the coach for Colgate was standing by the river by the co- his college, and he was waving his toothbrush. They said, what are you doing? He said, I'm waiting for the crest. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Um, oh, my. I, I, I wish I had – see, I wish I was in the full studio tonight instead of the uh, the alternate studio uh, so that I could I could get like all the sound effects that we have. We have a switchboard with like ten thousand sound effects, and and I would have done like the I would have had like the drum roll, you know, uh, uh, drum symbols on that one. That was a um, that was a good one. Um, I I got hey, I got one for way, you right up here. I got one right up your alley way. for you if you want to tell corny jokes. But continue. Yeah, I just uh, I just uh, got information from Colin Kramer, uh, the guy that does our theme song. Uh, he will uh, recut commercial and send it to us. He's a little busy at the moment, but he will redo it for us. Oh, he's, he doesn't have to doesn't have to do any rush. I mean, we're not you know we're not in a super hurry. Um, what is uh, what what is what, what, like what's the time frame you told him? Because like I, he doesn't have to have it anytime you know, too, too soon, obviously, we're, uh, we'll, we'll make do with the one we got for the time being, I don't want to overstress them, you know, bad enough, well, no, he, go uh, huh? I didn't really give him a time frame, I just said whenever you can, you know, and he said he would uh, take care of it for us, oh, all right, fair enough, fair enough, so anyway, anyway, Mr. Icon, um, have you gotten a chance to uh, to look at all or to, to give a little look-see or a little peek-a-boo to Raw tonight? Uh, well, as you guys know, I work until 8.30, so... Uh, I did not know I, that. I ha- yeah, I have not. Uh, as a matter of fact, uh, I rushed to get to my apartment uh, to start the show, and uh, I'm going here, going there, trying to get all our guests lined up just before I, just after I get off of work. I only have 15 minutes, you know, before I call in, so... Uh, same uh, same not, job, different job. I mean, what are you doing now? Well, it's it's the uh, same job working at DigiKey uh, here in Fargo. Uh, I appreciate all for me uh, to help. What is, uh, what, is what is what is DigiKey? We sell electronic components. Oh, okay. Well, yeah, but electronic components like for what though? Uh, for computers, for microphones, for, 
Well, basically anything that has a uh, electronic component in it, we sell it. We even sell engines for drones, which is really cool. Hmm. All right. Uh, and you like it so far? Oh, I love it. It's great. You know. Yeah. Now, are you? What are you doing? Are you like a salesperson, or what are you? What are you doing? I uh, what I do is I uh, when an order comes in, I pick the parts and put it in a box and send it off in the mail. Oh, all right. Not a problem, so, Granny. How was your day? Oh, it was a typical Monday. It was cold here all day long, and they're talking about maybe a little wintry mix by the weekend. So we had some bad <clears throat> tornadoes around the area uh, last Friday, you know, this past Friday night. A few, well, I didn't think it was tornado season. Well, <laughs> you know, that's the thing about Arkansas weather. You never know what it's going to do. I mean, we had a little tornado hmm. hit down in Goshen. We had a little uh, tornado hit uh, over near Salem Springs. Um you know, just a lot of bad, just a lot of strong winds and straight line winds and thunder and lightning and heavy rain. And, you know, a lot of, it was really, you know, some places it was six to eight, 60 to 80 mile an hour winds. So, you know. Um, true, true. Hey, so I was know, watching. They're, um, they're, they're never known. Well, speaking of Arkansas, I was watching. um UConn versus Notre Dame, the women women's basketball the other day, just because, you know, it was on TV and, you know, I get all my ESPN channels for free. And I was watching it and I was like, huh, this is interesting. And um, the number – UConn has a player, the number one female recruit in the country uh, coming into this season. She's from Little Rock. And I, I thought of Granny. Yeah. I was like, oh, you know, I wonder if um, – Granny, uh, you know, follows any of that stuff or hears about any of that stuff up where she's I at. Don't, I don't watch a lot of college sports. I mean, I'll occasionally watch. Um, yeah, but I mean, Arkansas know. is one of those states, though. Like, I, I, like, if the number one recruit in the country for that recruiting class is coming out of your state, I mean, I'm sure you'd mm-hmm. hear about it, right? Or not necessarily. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I hear, yeah, I hear about it. You know, I mean, I watch the news, you know, and everything. I mean. I, uh, like I said, I occasionally, you know, I'm not a big basketball person, you know. Um, now, when my son was a lot younger, um, he got to actually be a ball boy for the Arkansas Razorback basketball team. So oh, nice. that was okay. pretty cool. And he okay. was like, um, he was like um, fourth grade or something like that. And um, hmm. he, uh, I was going to nursing school at the time, you know, and everything. And, um, it was shortly, well, it was, he got to, he got to do it shortly after I, I didn't make it through all the way through nursing school. Cause my son had a, had to be hospitalized for several days. He ended up getting a staph infection because of a little scratch on his chin, you know, and they had to do high powered IV antibiotics on him at home. And he ended up getting osteomyelitis in his left bone. Oh wow! In his left knee, above above his knee, you know, and I mean, he almost died from it. And um, you know, he huh. he was very lucky. And one of the basketball players at the time, his name was hey, Guy guys, Whitney. I think and our guest oh, is on. go ahead. Oh, that's all right. I, I, yeah, I think our guest is on. It's not. It's not Deb. It's the other guest. 
yeah, it's the other guest, I think. That's fine. Not a problem. I just wanted to say uh, real quick, uh, Granny, her name is Kristen Williams. Uh, went to mm-hmm. Central Arkansas Christian School in North Little Rock. So I don't know if you've heard the name mm-hmm. before or not. But, yeah, I, but have. That's, uh, I have. That's who it was. So uh, I just thought of you this weekend and was like, oh, you know, I, I, up here in New York, you don't hear about Arkansas very often. So I was like, oh, that's kind of cool. Um, anyways, Icon, I'm going to step aside. Uh, Monday Night Football is on commercial. I got to bring it back on the air. I'll let you do your thing. And they are. All right. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle. You've heard of icons such as myself, but now we're going to get into legendary legends. Without further ado, I give you Urban Legend. Hey, Urban, how are you? What's going on? What's up, man? What's going on? Hey, man. How's it going, buddy-o? It's going all right, man. You know, just doing what legends do on the internet, being talked about, all that good stuff. Well, you know, here's what we do. After we give our guests the best introduction they've ever had in their life, uh, which you just had, uh, we let them give us a little background about themselves, and we ask them the questions. So uh, tell us a little bit about yourself, and we'll, uh, give you, we'll interview you. Alright, uh, I'm from Virginia Beach, Virginia. I've been wrestling for about five years. Uh, started in 2014, training. Actually, I took my first bump when I was 16, but I started training at 17. Um, I've been to different states. I've been to East Coast, West Coast. Um, you know, just grinding. I'm my home promotion right now is Vanguard Championship Wrestling. We're based out of Virginia. We just had a show this past weekend. And I got to beat up Steve Carino's son, Colby Carino. Sorry for that name. Oh, yes. Yes. Got to beat the bricks off that kid. That was pretty fun. Uh, that's pretty much it. Uh, the, uh, I mean, I'm not going to get too deep because, uh, you know, I want a little bit mystique, but. Everybody wants right. to know what Urban Legends, Urban Legends is about, and uh, there's a personal story behind that. It's just not some fancy gimmick, and I've told people that story, so some may know right. it, some may not. Well, we'll uh, we'll have you uh, share that story with us in a little bit. Uh, you know, you mentioned you've been to uh, many states. Uh, uh, first question is, have you been to uh, any of uh, our states? Have you been to uh, North Dakota or Arkansas or New York? I've been to Delaware. Uh, I've been in New Jersey for Monster Factory. Uh, I have not been in New York yet. Hopefully okay. that will change very soon. How about uh, North Dakota or Arkansas? Have not been there either. All right. Well, I'll no, tell you no. Uh, New York's New York's got a big wrestling scene up here. Um, so does uh, obviously North Dakota. Um, I, I know the you know the indie scenes and things are big in, in Arkansas as well, but um, yeah, up here in New York, man, it, it'd be it, it's kind of like you know you go to New York, it's kind of like you've got that allure, like you've made it kind of a thing, and uh, it, it, it's 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 an awesome scene up here if you ever get a chance. Uh, you know the, the the lights are brighter in New York, as they say. I uh, well, I did I did go to oh, no. I did go to Hicksville. Hicksville, New York, for a seminar. Um, only reason why I went to that Creative Pro seminar was because my very good friend Tyson Kidd 
held a seminar there, and I don't get to see him often. I get to see him at least probably twice out of the whole year. So, you know, I took advantage of that and went up there. That's the only time I've been in New York, but I, I did not work the show, but I was at the seminar. Uh, we have, well, uh, I was just going to clarify. I was just going to clarify one thing really quick, Icon. Arkansas does have one um, wrestling federation right now uh, down in Harrison, Arkansas, that runs sometimes. But most of the indie shows that I get to go see are over in Oklahoma. Uh, Urban Legend is our guest, and we have. Um... Well, we have well, we have a good uh, amount of time here left with you. So, when you uh, in your tenure in the business, you mentioned five years. Have you had a chance to win any titles in your uh, time so far? Um, well, first year, my rookie year as a wrestler, I got I got voted rookie of the year for the East uh, for the Tidewater area in the East Coast, and I'm a one-time SPW Television Champion. And um, next year, I have a match for VCW, and uh, I'd like to be fighting for the championship for that. Um, So that's going to be – I mark my words. In 2019, Urban Legend will hold a championship. Well, Urban, we do have good news for you. Any guest that we've had on this show that has went for a title within the next week, uh, month, or six months, or what have you – has always come away from the title. Now, I have not given any updates lately, but I want everybody to know. And a couple, we have a couple multi-champions in there, but we are officially 300 and 0. So you have to be 301. Okay. I did and not know that. When you win that title, when you win that title, I want you to contact me. Do Facebook Messenger, and we are going to get you on here again, but we're going to have you click the title up against the phone. And, you know, surprisingly enough, surprisingly enough, it's not a jinx. Like, you know how sometimes they have that, uh, you know, that announcer's curse? Like, you'll be watching a football game, and the announcer will be like, you know, he hasn't missed a kick in the last 65 attempts or whatever, and then next thing you know, he hooks it right. Uh, You know, sometimes that's what I thought would happen the first couple times Icon was like, oh, yeah, you know, uh, every champion we've talked to or every prospective champion has went on to win the belt or defend the belt. Um, And I was like, oh, great. Watch this. caller's going to call back now. Our guest's going to call back. We all pissed off with you because you jinxed him. But it hasn't happened yet. Uh, So far, Icon has been uh, spot on with, with that. So hopefully we can keep it rolling here. So let me get this straight. Okay. We have the icon, we have the big swing, and we have the granny hoaxer, correct? Yep. Correct. Yes, they do. That is a the granny hoaxer. That's a pretty interesting name. So is the big <laughs> swing. I like well, that. Well, just name. so you just just so you know, I am not a wrestler. Everybody thinks that no. I'm a wrestler. I'm not. I just am a big fan of the sport. I I love to watch wrestling. So it's a good I, gimmick, yeah. man. I figured just by the name, you were like a manager or something. No, well, I've been handcuffed to a manager before at a, at a wrestling for a cause show back in January. They handcuffed me to, to a manager because he was trying to interfere during the match. So you know. she's all over the place when it comes to the independent wrestling scene. She's um. Oh yeah. But, but, but I think I think 
I think uh, w- w- we can find out if this is going to be a super interesting. I mean, it's going to be an interesting interview regardless, but be super interesting. You see, Legend, are you are you more of when you when you work your your cycles? Are you more of the the baby face or a heel, or are you sort of in between? And I have a reason I ask that, but I'm just wondering which one you uh, you usually run as. Well, let me tell you something, Legend. Okay, I used to care about the people. But people had my back, I had theirs, right? I got hurt, and I was out for about 12 months. And during those 12 months, I did not get one, not, not one phone call, not one DM, not tweet, no nothing from nobody. So I went to the heel because I'm only concerned about one person, and that's myself. All right, see, I used to have, you know, some compassion. I used to like these kids and the parents and this and that. But now, no, 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 no. I'm back uh, out. Yes. I was hoping you would say heel. See, I've always been a big heel fan, but 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 Granny, I was hoping that because you see, Granny Hulkster's kind of kind of known in the independent wrestling uh, circles for for being the one who kind of verbally drives the heels crazy. She likes to, uh, oh, yeah. to put her two cents in when ta- the heels I come to the ring. I can talk a lot of I can talk a lot of smack to a heel wrestler. Oh uh-huh. yeah, I love that. <clears throat> If you upset Granny, she will hit you with her hurricane. Ah, uh, <laughs> yes. Yes, she okay. will. Listen, she, she will ride right, right up you to you in that know. scooter. She'll ride right Although, up to you in that scooter see, first and hit you. Here's, okay. So, so I, I'm from my, my character, my gimmick, right? I don't know if you guys know this or not. I don't know if you guys kept up with me watching any of my stuff. You know Floyd Miller the boxer, right? Right. He's my inspiration as an athlete and as a human being. So I took it upon myself to relocate to Las Vegas where the champions play because nothing legendary has ever come out of Virginia, ever. So I had to leave that piece of crap town, piece of crap state, rather. Had to go to Las Vegas, Mayweather Promotions, right? I am the professional, the professional wrestling version of Floyd Miller. I don't know if you guys watch my promos or any of that, but... That's my gimmick. Okay. Now, you know, every wrestler... I like it. Has, I like that. Every wrestler <clears throat> has a great finishing maneuver. We would like you to tell us what your finishing maneuver is, what it's called, and the setup, and how it works, and how devastating is it. See, I can't give you all my secrets, but I will tell you my two finishing maneuvers. Okay. Okay. The first one's called the currency kick, which is a corkscrew scissors kick, which you've probably seen our truth use. Right. Okay, my my second is the dungeon lock. Tyson Kidd used that briefly when he was wrestling. He gave it down to me at the seminar. I renamed it the legend lock. And then if I'm feeling frisky, I'll pull out my loaded right hand, and which is brass knuckles. Loaded right hand. Wow. So... Yeah, those are my three finishing moves. You know, uh, you know, I have a, I have a finisher too. My finisher is called the junk punch him in the man business. So, uh, you know, if you ever want to try that one out, uh, just make. What sure is that? Some some that. shattered dreams. Sounds like some shattered uh, dreams. Something like that, but mine's yeah. more devastating. Uh, it sounds it sounds yeah it sounds like sounds like you won't be able to have kids. That's what it sounds like to me. So it's something right. bad. Right, 
Yeah. Uh, Urban Legend is our guest. We have about uh, 20 minutes here with you. Uh, I had uh, <clears throat> sent you a script. We're going to go ahead and do that real quick uh, for a promo that we're going to have you cut. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and count you down from five, and if you have to do a couple takes, we'll do that. And uh, But usually since I started sending the script to the wrestlers, uh, we haven't had to do more than one take. So uh, if you're ready, we'll go ahead and do that, then we'll uh, ask you the tough questions. Yeah, I'm ready, man. All right, ready? Five, four. Hey, this is Urban Legend. You're listening to the Attitude Era Live with the host, the icon, the big swing, and the granny holster. Awesome. And the cool thing is, because you said their names a second, I can edit them out and just uh, stop it at my name. Okay. Oh, geez. Oh, boy. How many times are we going to hear that? <laughs> I don't know. Well, All the time, it seems like. <laughs> Now, uh, Urban, uh, as um, as a heel wrestler, when you come to the ring and you get those loud boos and people trying to call you names and this and that and stuff like that, do you do your reaction in the ring? Or do you uh, have some unflattering words to the fans that may say something unflattering to you? Oh, yeah, yeah. I have this one snot-nosed, punk, booger-picking kid last show. He decided to make a poster that said, I'm like, okay, I'm going to give this kid props. This kid's smart. And then I looked in, and it's a flaming dumpster. So I'm like, okay, you little, you little twerp. In other words, they're calling me hot garbage. Right? Okay. So I walked up to him, looked him straight in the eye, and this is exactly what I told this kid. I said, you can choke on some hot coal. And his mom was getting ready to go out of her seat. She's getting ready to jump the ramp and give me a butt kick in her last time. But before she got the chance, security took her out. <laughs> and, then, and then after the match, wow. see, I was so distracted, so distracted, Cole Carino got a fast one on me. Okay, whoop de do. I walked up to the kid. He was flashing that post in my face. I said, hey, kid. I said, how long did you take making this poster? He said, I took about 15, 20 minutes. I'm like, okay, excellent. Took the poster and ripped it up right, over, right in his face. You know what? That's probably the way the icon would have reacted to. <clears throat> Definitely. See, I'm gracing these people my presence. I'm worth a full pay-per-view. I'm worth a pay-per-view. And these people, these ungrateful people, want to put a sign that says, oh, this is hot garbage. I'm a commodity. You don't, do, you don't treat somebody like that and expect, to be, and expect me to be okay with it. Now, I don't know how many of you guys are, have seen me on Facebook or friends of me on Facebook, but I do have videos of that match, and you guys can watch it because it's on my page. Well, you know, um, not – I, I don't know if you'll like this uh, comparison or not, but uh, I would say that you, you do look a, a lot like uh, R-Truth a little bit. R-Truth? I don't know. I can't really see because, uh, you know, R-Truth way, way, way more darker than I am. I can't see. I can't see R-Truth at all. I don't know. Maybe. And uh, and I've seen you wrestle too. And uh, you know, when you wrestle, 
Now, would you consider yourself a technical wrestler, a high flyer, or are you a grappler, like the grungy type, like Stone Cold Steve Austin type? I'm a technical through and through, man. Like, my inspirations were Malenko, Guerrero, and Benoit. You know, I'm close with Tyson, so I learned some stuff from him and some some stuff from the Hart family, so I'm I'm technical all the way. And we, or myself, actually, always ask this question, and then we'll ask, have Granny ask you a question or two. Now, we all know, pennant wrestler, a goal for most is getting to the big dance, which is the WWE. Now, I've asked every independent wrestler we've had on the show this question, and no one has ever answered it the exact same way, so I'm going to put it to you. If you were to get the call from the WWE to offer you a contract, because when you get to the WWE, they say you can do this, you you can't do this, you have to do this. Uh, they basically control all aspects of your life. When you're an independent wrestler, you control your own destiny and do what you want. Is the WWE something that you'd want to do, or would you rather stay independent where you say and do what you want? Well, here's the thing. Here's my take. Independent, you're wrestling for a sensible hot dog and chili, but you have creative control of your gimmick. You go to WWE, make millions of dollars, and you get told what to do. So the smart thing for me to do would be go to WWE. Because in about a year, I'm a legally owned urban legend. That's going to be my name. So, you know, they can't tell me I can't be urban legend. Like, you know what I'm saying? So they might change my gimmick, but it won't change the marks, I don't think, if I were to go. So if I had an opportunity to go to WWE, then I, of course I'd take it because that's everybody's dream. Uh, well, most people. Well, most people are content staying on the indies because they've done it all and, you know, they just want to. But. At the same time, I've seen TNA, I've seen Ring of Honor, I've seen New Japan. So, I, you know, there's a lot of options out there. It's not, it doesn't necessarily have to be WWE. I could be happy going to Ring of Honor, New Japan, TNA. Yeah. And here's, here's what we'll ask you. When you do, because we know that you have the drive to get there. Because, you know, and I, I, I've, seen, I've seen many of your matches online. My question to you is, if you do get to that point, will you still be willing to talk to us and be our friend, or would you big-time us and uh, not ever talk to us again? I'm not one of these jackasses that get opportunity and think they're too big for people. I've always been a top person. If I talk to you now, I'll talk to you then. So, yes, I'll still be in contact with you guys if I do make it. <clears throat> uh, I still talk, you know. I still talk to my friends that I've talked to since high school and middle school. So, yeah, I'll make sure we keep in contact one way or another. Awesome. So, uh, Granny, what uh, Urban Legends are, I guess, we have uh, 13 minutes here left with Urban. Uh, what do you got, Granny? What do you got for our guest? Well, what has been your most challenging match you've ever had to be involved in? I think facing C.W. Anderson because that guy is tough as crap. Um, I think either C.W. Anderson or uh, facing Phil Brown because Phil Brown a guy that brought me into the business when I was small. And, you know, I think think definitely C.W. and Phil Brown were my toughest matches. Okay. 
Okay. Now, That's uh, a good answer. When you when you wrestle, uh, how often do you wrestle? Do you wrestle once a week, twice a week, once every other week, once a month, twice a month, bi-monthly, uh, quarterly? How often uh, do you wrestle? I'm not one of these. Here's the thing about people give people crap for not wrestling every weekend. I'm perfectly content wrestling once or twice a month simply because everybody has a bump car. You burn yourself out every weekend. What good are you to major companies? So it's like... I do professional wrestling, I'm a bodybuilder, I do fitness training, and I own my own lawn care business. So I definitely would not be able to wrestle every weekend. So maybe every couple weeks. And when is your next match? If you can tell us about that, when is it, where is it, do you know who it's against, or have you not been scheduled yet? Uh, I do not know who it's against, but I do know it's going to be January 5th in Windsor, Virginia. Which is near Suffolk. Um, you want to hear something crazy? Is uh, you know, I came into this business completely backwards. Like, you're supposed to have a job and a car. Breaking it, I didn't have neither. Um, now I have a job, but I had some complications personally, and license cars were not really there. But I still find a way to these matches. You know, uh, these guys make excuses. Oh, I can't make the book because I don't drive. Well, that's what Uber, Lyft, Greyhounds, and trains are for. I mean, check this out. I I walked from, I don't know if you guys are familiar with VB, Virginia. I walked all the way from Virginia Beach to your town, Virginia, just to train. Wow. That was about... That was about seven and a half hours to walk. Jeez, that's dedication, let me tell you. Yeah, I was just about yeah, to say, I mean, there ain't no way I'm missing How far would that be? But, wow, that, yeah, that is that is pretty uh, – because remember, you know, obviously walking, you know, is a physical exercise. So, I mean, to walk that distance and then still have the energy to be able to train, uh, you know, that says a lot. Yeah, I uh... – I just stopped at the Seven Eleven, got some coffee, and then I ended up doing the blow-up drills as soon as I got there. Nobody knew I walked seven hours. I didn't tell them until after the fact. And they were like, oh, we wouldn't have had you do the blow-up drills. And I told them I don't want them to treat me any different because I don't have a car right now. So I just I did what I had to do to get to training. My point is if you want something, you, you got to gotta figure out a way to go get it. You can't just not do it because something may go in your way. That brings me to... The whole Urban Legend gimmick. That's not a gimmick. That's just who I am because I've been through way more than people think. So, you know, and with your dedication and with how you I I've heard from some promoters that have listened to our show and listened to our guests that are looking for fresh talent. Now, I will ask you this. And I, I will admit, I, I, some wrestlers I've done without their permission, but if a promoter calls me and wants to get in, your information to contact you to come work for him, would you let me pass on your information to him? Yeah, man, of course. Awesome. Yeah, because I've never heard, I've, I've not heard yet from one wrestler that got ticked off at me for giving their, uh, giving a promotion. One thing is, yeah, that'd be... you never work it out. 
I would like to yeah. get you here to North Dakota and wrestle a couple matches for full, fully loaded wrestling. Right. And maybe the icon can walk you to the ring and be your manager, and I could even be your uh, your person. Yeah. I am. Um, have, <clears throat> so you guys, one of you guys have seen my, my work and my promos and stuff like that. Right, right. Okay. So. Yes, uh, yeah, we have. That's, far, uh, we, that, I, mean, I mean, that's why when we ask, like, um, you know, I, I knew beforehand kind of what you do, but I just wanted to lead into Granny's uh, thing about the heel because uh, I thought it would be kind of interesting. But, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I knew beforehand. And uh, and Granny, like I said, if he's ever in the Oklahoma or Arkansas area, uh, I think he would definitely love for you to uh, to get out there and give him some because it sounds like uh, Irving can give it back to you. Oh, we'll, we'll see. We'll see about that. Well, I, uh, I have a friend. I have a friend over in Oklahoma that does independent wrestling shows for kids that have got cancer called Wrestling for a Cause. And I've heard of that. You would you would you would fit in quite well with uh, some of those heel wrestlers. As a matter of fact, we have a group of guys at WFC called the Villains, which they're kind of in a little situation right now because their champion WFC champion just lost his championship belt Saturday to Paul Puerto Rico. So the head of the Villains is kind of like lost his championship belt. So we have a new. WFC champion at WFC, so yeah, you need to come to Oklahoma, and boy, then Granny could really have some fun talking some smack to you. <laughs> we will, we will get something happening next year. Uh, Urban Legend, uh, Urban is our guest. We have uh, about five minutes here left with uh, Urban. Now, <clears throat> if our fans wanted to check you out, you got a Facebook, you got an Instagram, you got a Twitter, you got a YouTube. Uh, what do you got out there? Got a Facebook, Urban Legend. Um, my Instagram is Urban Legend Official. Um, Twitter is Urban Legend Seven Five Seven. And uh, with uh, real quick here, I, I, I got to do a couple ego questions here. Uh, the icon made you a cool guest collector's card. What did you think of that? I think it was neat. And uh, also, how about your introduction to the show? How was that? That was good. That was a, the introduction I deserved. See, there so, you go, I, guys. So yeah. far now, I only have one guy that's ever disliked it. So there's only one guy we ever had to hang up on. So there you go. Mm, there you go. Yeah, if you cross the icon, man, you, you get hung up on. So, so uh, Irvin, uh with uh, that uh, next match that uh, you're on, do you uh, do you do any uh, gimmick matches, or do you uh, do anything like cage matches, or ladder matches, or chair matches, or uh, my personal my personal my personal favorite match to be to my go-to match is probably an I Quit match. An I Quit match, which I've never and, lost. Uh, so you you have a good submission then too. Oh yeah, I I put you in a sharpshooter triangle choke, reach over with the kendo stick and I choke you out. Uh, so you can't go nowhere. Your legs are crossed. Your arms between my legs. You can't go nowhere. I'm 205 pounds of muscle, so you're pretty much done. Uh, 
Well, you know, uh, I'm not going to volunteer, but would either of you guys like to volunteer to have them put that on you? <laughs> no, I think I'll pass. <laughs> Big swing, your game, aren't you? Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I think I think I'm I think I'm all set also with that. I mean, it's um, it's one of those moves that it's kind of like I, I can take a lot of the moves, but that that sounds pretty intense. I mean, I mean, listen. I'm a radio guy. I, you know, I've been in radio for a long time. Uh, if it was if it was a bit for the show or something, you know, I might take one for the team. But but other than that, yeah, probably not. I'm I'm all set. How but, tall uh, are you, man? Urban, yeah, Urban, there is one move. Me, I'm about six take. foot. I'm about six foot, even six one with shoes on. If I put you in that move, in that move, you're gonna be about five seven. Oh jeez. <laughs> oh, 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 oh wow. That's uh, okay. And see, and see, Granny, Granny's got too many health problems to uh, be putting some kind of move like that. So yeah, that. So I definitely passed. To be putting any move, really. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, Irvin, there, there is one move though that uh, Big Swing would uh, would take. He would take a spear from Edge, though. Would I take a spear from Edge? Big Swing would. Oh. Hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I would just because obviously Edge is, you know, Edge is my my favorite of all time, and yeah, you know, I played football, so it's not too far, you know, away from, you know, a, a football type of move. But uh, but yeah, I probably would take one from Edge just because I would get to meet Edge. So yeah, no, I definitely would do that. But but uh, Urban's move sounds sounds pretty terrifying, to be honest with you. I think me- that's. Uh, huh? I want you guys to realize something. Tyson yeah. Kidd personally showed me how to apply the move from any angle, any size, okay? And you know how lethal he is with his submission. So he shows me 10 different ways to get in that move and 10 different ways to get out. If I put that on anybody, they're going to have a real tough time getting out of that move. Wow. Awesome. So he, you know, think about it. Your legs are trapped with my legs. Your arm are between your legs, and then your free arm – I'm grabbing onto and I'm pulling your head towards my knees. You can't go nowhere. Awesome. Um, I know I kind of veered off. I don't know if you have time, but I I did want to share part of my story uh, where the Urban Legend gimmick name came from. If you, if we have well, time, yeah, we have, we have a few minutes uh, before our next guest calls in. We have uh, we have about uh, 120 seconds. Go ahead. Okay, so uh, growing up, I wasn't—I didn't grow up in the best part of town. So, you know, gang activities. I made some bad choices. Uh, I've been stabbed. I've been shot. Um, I've been bullied like mercilessly. And then my my birth was kind of hectic too, because my birth mother was a very heavy drug user. So I was a very sick kid, and I had to overcome a lot. So it's like I was writing my own book, and I called it the Book of Legends. And like, wait a minute, I'm gonna keep that name and. I did a brief underground rapping stint where I used Urban Legends, and now I just use it in wrestling. So that's where that came from. That's awesome. And, you know, wow. I'll tell you, uh, Urban, you are an awesome guest. We loved having you on, and uh, hopefully you'll be able to join us again. And uh, we definitely would love to have you again because you're great. We appreciate uh, you taking time out of your schedule to join us. Yeah, man. Thank you guys so much for having me on. I had a lot of fun. Thanks for being on. Thank you. Thanks, Urban. Have a great day.
You too. Urban legend, ladies and gentlemen. The man, the myth, the legend, hence his name. Uh, so we have our next guest calling in shortly. Uh, I, I Hopefully. Yeah, he, well, he will be. I cannot wait to have uh, David uh, Shelton on. Uh, he's an uh, he's, uh, independent film director, which uh, you know might get us a starring role in one of his projects. We'll talk to him about that. Uh, we'll talk to him about the lawsuit he had with the wrestler, and uh, we'll talk to uh, you know uh, he's got a, he's got a book that he wrote. Uh, we get we'll talk to him about that. We'll talk to him about everything. And uh, now, if you guys remember uh, a couple weeks ago, we had a uh, a host uh, that used to host on Nickelodeon, if you recall. Mm-hmm. Uh, well, uh, David Shelton has a link to Nickelodeon as well. So we're going to talk to him about oh, wow. that as well. So, uh, hmm. uh, like I say, unfortunately, you know, we had Manny Fernandez scheduled. Uh, he had a family issue uh, that he was not able to join us, uh, but he will reschedule eventually, we do hope. Uh, so we will have him on with us. So it will be awesome to talk to him. And... Uh, Real, real quick sideline while we're waiting for our next guest. You know, uh, uh, as you guys know, uh, you know, from time to time we have uh, Jordan Garber, uh, Jay Garb, call in uh, to our show, and uh, he has named me the executive producer of his show. And last night, uh, do you guys remember Onyx? Uh, yeah, she was our guest last night, and uh, hey, she still loves the icon, believe it or not. I didn't, uh, I didn't upset her that much. But I think our you didn't scare her off, huh? <laughs> no, no, Icon. Uh, you know, and it's funny. He 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 relishes in the fact. You know, his crowning achievement is not. You know, oh well, yeah. You know, we had a great interview, and or, or oh, I, I think you know this is one of the best shows you've been on, or oh, you know, yada yada. I think this was uh, his crowning achievement. Being, I didn't creep her out too much. <laughs> That's yeah, kind of funny. Um, right. yeah, well, hey, you know what? It's uh, it, We can all uh, – small victories. Let's put it that way, small victories. Yes, Icon, we do have our next guest on, so I'm going to let you do your thing. I'm going to put Monday Night Football on commercial. Ladies and gentlemen, stepping out of the green room and walking down the aisle, this guy gives new meaning to the word director, author, main man, main event, good buddy, everything all wrapped into one package. Ladies and gentlemen, I give you, without further ado, he is Dave Shelton. Hey, Dave, how are you? I'm good. Man, I've never had an introduction like that. Was that the best you've ever had? Um, no, I think um, Felicia Feely back in high school was the best one I ever had. Okay, well, we'll go with that. But I, I think you like mine, too, though, which was good. So uh, what we do is after uh, the icon uh, introduces our guests, we let them give a little background about themselves, and then we ask them the question. Uh, so if you want to give us a little background about yourself, then we'll uh, interview you. All right. That'd be great. Uh, well, yeah, you already told them my name. I was a senior writer and head of cartoons at National Lampoon, the iconic, politically incorrect, awesome, worldwide attention-getting company I was a writer with Everybody Loves Raymond. I was a cartoonist with Warner Brothers. I drew Tweety and Sylvester. I did some work with Classic 
Supo and Disney, and I do a lot of voiceovers. I've done a bunch of stuff with the Sci-Fi Channel. Uh, as you mentioned, I'm an author. I have a book called Brain Explosion, which is a bestseller at Barnes & Noble and on Amazon, and it's a collection of my work when I was at National Lampoon. I was a writer with Tiger Bee back in the day, and I was the songwriting partner of Albert Haig, who wrote How the Grinch Stole Christmas. I think I'll stop there. All right. Well, what wow. we do, since, since we have uh, a whole hour and ten minutes here with you, and hopefully uh, you'll be able to stick with us that long unless we take you off, which I don't think so because you know I'm your number one fan. So we won't do that. But what we're going to do is we're going to break this into sections. Uh, the first thing we want to talk to you about, as far as you to write the book, how long did it take you to write it, and uh, uh, did uh, uh, what uh, kind of big sales did you have on it, and did it sell more copies than my CD, which went aluminum? Go ahead. <laughs> Well, I could safely say that I think that I went aluminum foil on the book, so I, I did sell a few more than you did. But um, yeah, the book has been kind of germinating for a long time because what I did is when I was working at Lampoon, I collected everything that I worked on there, from my cartoons to a lot of the writings to different comedic lines that I would come up with, catchphrases. And I kind of had in my mind that down the line I would actually release it as a book at one point. And, and I got approached by a publisher who was um, putting out a friend's book, and he puts out a lot of celebrity books. Uh, my friend is Pat Jankowitz, who's a writer with Fangoria and, and Starlog and stuff. Plus he has his own books out. And the publisher, which is Bear Manor Press, um, sent them the manuscript with all the drawings and everything laid out and they thought it was really cool and I called it brain explosion because I never can quiet my brain. It's like a big giant explosion of just everything. I never get writer's block. So, um, so he loved it and then I got a lot of my celebrity friends to endorse it. Some of the ones from Lampoon like Dana Barron who was in Vacation and Stephen First, who was one of my best friends, uh, he did. He was Flounder. He did an endorsement in the book. And then Rick Overton, the Emmy-winning writer, who was also in Mrs. Doubtfire. Kevin Dobson from Kojak. Um, oh, and the legendary June Foray was a really good friend of mine, the voice of Rocky the Squirrel and about 3,000 other voices. And so... Um, that was kind of the impetus of the book. And then once it got out, you know, the publisher, and it's so great because people always ask me, so when did you self-publish this? And I go, it's not self-published. It's with the real publisher. Uh, Cause so many people don't get that these days. And it, it was great. And then they put it on Amazon and then Barnes and Noble got wind of it and they picked it up and it's been selling really, really well. And now you know, you mentioned... a, I have a licensing ahead, agent sir. who's taking images from the book and licensing out uh, for everything from T-shirts to greeting cards. You know, you mentioned, uh, you know, you mentioned Stephen First. My two favorite Stephen First movies, I don't know if you've seen them or not, but my two favorite Stephen First movies are Midnight Madness 
and up the creek. I was I was hoping you mentioned up the creek because uh, yeah, I've seen everything that he's done, and you know I have a lot of good friends from Babylon Five because I did a voiceover for Stephen who directed a pilot called Cosmos, and he got a lot of his friends from Babylon Five in it, but mentioning up the creek is you know Stephen passed away last year and yeah I know I was, it was it, I was devastated because he was one of my all-time favorite actors because in every movie that he did he was just like I used to be always eating uh, yeah unfortunately Stephen had um, diabetes and had to get a kidney transplant and that's what's eventually you know what did him in but um yeah, he so he was very careful what he ate, which is kind of very ironic since most of the roles he did were about eating. But um, it, it was weird how I found out about it because I was actually performing. Uh, the drummer of a band called Mazzy Star was a really good friend of mine, and he had passed away of pancreatic cancer, and I wrote a song and performed it at his memorial. And on the way home, I got a text <clears throat> that, Stephen died like the same day that I was performing at another memorial. So that was like really bizarre. And then like three days later was his funeral, but I wasn't performing there. But you mentioned Up the Creek. Well, one of the guys from Up the Creek, I it was the one that kind of was not like the famous one, who was the fourth guy in the boat. Um, he spoke at Stephen's funeral, and it was really well attended. It, you know, like uh um, no, was was this the guy from uh 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 don't tell me uh midnight uh Hollywood Nights? The one that was at the funeral? I'm trying to remember because he was he had done some he other stuff. He played Officer Clark in Hollywood Nights, right? I'd I'd have to look that back up. But um, in, in the boat in the boat there was uh Tim Matheson, Stephen right, First uh, the the guy that played Pee Wee on Porky's, and uh, the guy that played Officer Clark in uh, Hollywood Nights. It must have been the officer then, because it wasn't Pee Wee. So, um, yeah. Well, anyway, he spoke at the funeral, and you know, it was people were it was kind of insulting because he turned the whole funeral around. Stephen's casket's like maybe ten feet away. And he turns it from being about Stephen to about his credit, that this guy's credit, and saying how Steve loved him, and how and everyone was getting like, you know, and then he kept rambling. It was like, okay, um, enough about you. This is, should be about Stephen, not about how Stephen, you know, thought you were a great actor and stuff like that. This is an audition, and it had a great turnout. Like Howie Mandel was there. And Maureen McCormick, Billy Mooney, um, Ed Begley Jr., you know, a lot of other people that Stephen had worked with over the years. So it was really, really well attended. Uh, you know, but, and you yeah. also mentioned, sorry, I didn't mean to interrupt you, but you also mentioned Dana Barron. Now, I don't know if you can hook us up with her, but she's got favorite movies that I, uh, that I love, too, such as National Lampoon's Vacation. Heaven Help Us, Death Wish for the Crackdown, and my all-time yep. favorite with uh, David Keith, Heartbreak Hotel. Oh, she absolutely. Oh, 
She played Christian Slatter's love interest in that movie. Yeah, no, Dana is still a great friend of mine and stuff. And, you know, I I talk to her and we're hoping to work together on a couple of things. Um, Actually, you know, my first thing I want to do is marry her and then we'll work on the stuff. Well, so do I. You know, I've had a crush on her ever since National Lampoon's Christmas or uh, National Lampoon's Vacation, you know? She she is so beautiful and so sweet and she's like so down to earth and... Mm. And she's short. She's only about five feet tall. So do you, do you think you might be able to hook us up with her? Possibly? Um, possibly for a radio interview. I don't know about the other stuff. No, I'm not talking I'm not hook, talking about hooking up personally. My, my fiancé would kill me, but... Uh, oh, geez, Icon. you got to walk that fine line all the time. I, I know. Yeah, I, uh, I heard some busts in that one. And stuff. Yeah, well, I know, but... There's many female guests that we've had on the show, and my fiance said, "Well, they can have you, just get them on here." But anyway, that's a that's a story for another time. So now that we've talked about the book, now uh, and then we're going to get to the uh, this next subject, and then uh, we're going to talk to you. Uh, we're going to have you talk to us about the subject that I really want to get to. Uh, David Shelton is our guest. We have about an hour here with you. Uh, before we get to the next couple subjects, uh, I sent you a script uh, for a promo. We're going to take care of that now, and then we're going to ask you the tough stuff. Okay. Yeah, this is easy. All right, I'm going to count you down for five, then we'll go ahead and do that. Ready? Five, four, three, two, one. Hey, this is Dave Shelton from National Lampoon and the creator of Professor Creepy's Scream Party, and you're listening to the Attitude Era Live with hosts the icon, the big swing, and Granny Huckster. Awesome. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to ask you a few more questions, and then uh, uh, the the one subject that we want you to go into detail is the court thing, but we're going to save that for a little bit. I'm going to ask you one more question. We'll let our guests go, and then I'm going to then we're going to hit you with the court thing. And I know what you know what you know what I'm talking about. Uh, right. So and I cannot I talk about the new show that I'm doing. Right. Right, yes, we're going to talk about that, too. We're going to talk about that, too. But, uh, you know, a couple of weeks ago, we had a guy that hosted a show on Nickelodeon. Uh, and uh, the show that he used to host was Nick Arcade. Now, you used to do something for Nickelodeon. Did you not? Tell us about that. Uh, yes, I did. I worked on the original Double Dare uh, back in the 80s. And... Uh, I was one of the artists that helped with designing physical challenges and posters and stuff like that. That was one of my first jobs actually out of animation school because at the time I had also hooked up with, uh, because they were owned by Tom, I also worked uh, with MTV and the original VJs back in New York. This was all done in New York before Nickelodeon moved to Florida. And that was- so uh, before we get to your, your, your current project in the court case, uh, uh, Brandy, Big Swing, what do you got for our, uh, our guest here? Go ahead. Well, go ahead, Big Swing. <laughs> uh, you called the Big Swing uh, well, because... I think he might have stepped away, but... No, no, well, no, I was, actually, yeah, I was doing the, uh, okay. the Monday oh, Night Football coverage. Go ahead, coverage. Big Swing. Yeah, go I was ahead, doing Big the Monday swing. Night Football coverage. Uh, I was I was so intrigued with, with Mark Sanchez playing for the Redskins. Um, no, it was... I, I, I was listening to to a lot of this here, and the show that he actually—I'm just going to change it up here. The show that he 
mentioned was 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 Double Dare uh, from Nickelodeon the original. Mm-hmm. Um, I that was growing up. I I grew up right in that you know early to mid '90s time period, uh, being 30 years old now, and that was one of my favorite shows. Uh, how did you end up getting linked up with that? And would that would like out of all of the things that you've done throughout your career, where does a show like that rank for you? Oh, let's see. Uh, the way I hooked up with it is right after I finished um, finished the new school in New York City studying animation, I was I was referred over to MTV originally, and I got to meet the VJs, and they were looking for writers and artists <clears throat> to work on stuff with the original VJs, promotion, things like that. And then I had... Um, written for at the time woman's world magazine and i was freelancing them but then i got hooked up with tiger beat magazine as a writer and cartoonist there and then someone from mtv told me that they're starting this game show at nickelodeon and they were looking for artists and and people who knew how to you know design to work there and so i met with them showed them my work and that's how i started there, you know, and I, I met some of the producers and then the set designers there, and, and it kind of just steamrolled. And I was working like five things at the same time. I was still on staff for Tiger Beat. I was also working for Rockville as a writer, and then Woman's World, and I was still doing stuff at MTV all at the same time. So, but it was great because the sh- like Double Dare, you do the stuff, and a lot of the times, once it's designed or your your artwork is done, then you're pretty free and clear to work on other stuff. And I would be on the set a lot, and I got to see Mark Summers' wardrobe, and which was really funny because the slime he had like 30 of the same sports jackets in the closet, which would have been great to take a photo of. So. Uh, so that was kind of funny to to watch because every break he would just go back and get a new sports coat. So that's how I hooked up with them. That's awesome. Wow. So uh, you had uh, mentioned uh, that you got a new project that you're doing. Uh, let's get into it. Tell us about it. And David okay. Shelton is our guest here. We got uh, we got uh, 15 minutes left with you, so we're going to cover all this. Uh, Tell us about your new project. What do you got? Okay, the new project I have is called Professor Creepy Screen Party. And I had always been influenced by, you know, kid-wise by early Saturday morning, late 60s, uh, early 70s, Hanna-Barbera, The Banana Splits, uh, a show called Hilarious House of Frightenstein, which starred Vincent Price, and it was from Canada, but we got it growing up in Jersey I was able to, you know, to get it on the local New York station. And I had always wanted to kind of do a a weird horror variety show because I do a lot of horror writing as well. And when this came up, I said, okay, I'm going to do this. And I wrote it, and then I was going to have, you know, like Hollywood is such an enigma. You know, it's like people have the weirdest stories about how they get something done. I originally, when I put this together, had an investor for the pilot um, who was from Breaking Bad, the TV show. And he was going to, one of the the actors in it, he was going to invest in it. But then I found out he's adopted, and his adopted mother was a member of the Texas mob. And they had they used our budget a week before production 
to bail out one of their family members from jail who busted on like a drug possession or a drug dealing charge. So we wound up, you know, my fiance at the time and I just put our own money up for it. And it's worked out better, but it was just so weird how that happened with less than a week to do it. And uh, so what I did is I assembled all my horror actor friends that I could find, and I always loved little people. So my friend Martin Kleba, who you might know from Pirates of the Caribbean, Mirror, Mirror, uh, Knee High, Private Eye. So I had written the part for him. I, I love weird stuff, and I love working with little people. So he was going to play Professor Creepy, but he got stuck in a snowstorm in Detroit because he's from Michigan. He was visiting for the holidays. So I got uh, Kevin Thompson, who's also a little person. He was in um, like Ewoks and stuff like that to play Professor Creepy, which we wound up doing as a special. And then I got Leanne Curtis from Critters and Sixteen Candles. He's a friend. And Erwin Keyes from House of a Thousand Corpses. And I wrote it as a variety show, as if it was in living color meets Elvira with, like, you know, Saturday Morning Horror and the Banana Splits and and Vincent Price thrown in. And it's a series of sketches with music and things like that all taking place in a freak museum called the California Institute of Abnormal Art here in L.A. in North Hollywood. And the lead, it's about this girl, and she goes into the museum, and all her friends come to life who are puppets, and Professor Creepy runs the party. And it's just kind of weird. She goes into it, starting out as a girl, and then she becomes a scary Anne. And then when she leaves the party at the end of the night – she becomes herself again. And we got Leanne's daughter, Jacqueline McKenzie, who wound up being in the top 24 in American Idol a few years ago to play her. And we got every major horror guest star signed up to do the series, including Sid Haig and Michael Berryman and Vernon Wells. And we'll have Lynn Shea on it. And, and then each episode has a live band come on, like a famous band. And I'm really good friends with Chief Trick because I've worked with them on a couple of things, and Robin Sanders is a good friend, and so they're going to come on. Ministry is going to come on. We're going to get, like, you know, possibly Rob Zombie and the Sonics and, you know, the Ghastly Ones, you know, every major horror star and every major star coming on the guest list. Kind of like a horror version of the Muppets, if you think about it, because we have puppets. Because the Kyoto Brothers are part of it, and they do Killer Clowns from Outer Space and Team America. So it's really cool. And then I entered it in some festivals. It won a couple of pilot festivals. Then it went on, and I got a deal with the Monster Channel, and they started airing it, and it became like a huge hit there. And then we got a deal with Retro TV, and it was featured on Horror Hotel. So now we have a deal to do the full series with Retro TV, and we're looking for the funding now to underwrite it. But we've got tons of sponsors and my licensing agents, like, getting merchandising deals for it. But um, but it's really cool. And then uh, Roku picked it up for this thing called Around the World in 80 Screens for Halloween. And it became their number one requested Halloween special this year, which I was totally psyched about. 
uh, one thing, Dave, uh, if you uh, need any other extras, Icon would love to come work for you. Really? You'll fly out to L.A.? Look, if look, if you can get me, if you can get me a cot outside to sleep on, maybe a couple hot dogs, I would, I would find a way to fly out there. I'd come work for you. I'd even carry your bags. I'd shine your shoes. I'd get your coffee. I'd get your cappuccino. I'd get your mocha Swiss, your chocolate milk, your cheese, whatever you need. I want. I would love to come work for you already. You know, there are some homeless people out front that you could borrow their sleeping bag, probably. But uh, okay. Uh, no, that that sounds like a very good offer. We're we're kind of uh, working on the funding right now. There's just one guy I'm dealing kind of with a big situation with Lionsgate right now that I re- I kind of want to touch on. I don't know if that was one of the subjects you said we can talk about, but. Um, yeah, the, there's a guy who was going to invest in the show. I'm still waiting to see if he is, but I'm involved with him in a huge lawsuit against Lionsgate and, and Tiny Lister somehow involved in this, and I'd love to tell you about that. But uh, Well, I'll, yeah, I'll tell you what, we'll, we'll have you talk about that in one second, but, you know, you mentioned Ver, Vernon Wells. Now, there's another guy that I've been a fan of forever. I mean, he was in Weird Science. He was in Commando. He was in Fortress. He was in MacGyver. I mean, I mean, you know, he and, played and Ben. He was, all, he was circuitry man, and he was also in Road Warrior. Right, and he, I mean, in Fortress, I mean, uh, that's a, that was an English. Uh, he played uh, Dabby Duck, one of the masked guys that kidnapped the the students. Uh, you know, my favorite yep. role of him in, was Commando. When at the end of the movie, Arnold Schwarzenegger throws that pipe right into his gut, and then all the steam comes out, and he says, "Let off some steam, Bennett." Of course, I can't do I can't do uh, Arnold Schwarzenegger. But, uh, you know, he was in MacGyver as a diamond thief, as Catlin. You know, and every role that he's ever played, you know, uh, of course, my favorite will always be Shrimp on the Barbie with him and Cheech Marin. But in every right. role he's played. He he's like a man of a thousand faces and a thousand wakes. He's never the same guy. No, that's the great thing about him and a lot of these horror character actors. Doug Jones is a good friend of mine, and you know, the people don't know that he was Billy in the original Hocus Pocus. That you know, he's he's done so much stuff. Vernon is the same way. He can just hide into a part and make it his own. But he's really funny. Like, when we talk and we get together, he's just hilarious, like, just naturally. Now, I hate to ask you for this, but, you know, I've contacted him him on Facebook. I've been trying to get him on this show for two years. And you haven't had any luck? No. Hmm. Can you maybe let him know how cool the icon is and about Granny Hawks will make him some cookies, and Big Swing will teach him how to golf? Oh, he's already a great golfer. He plays in celebrity tournaments with us, too. Well, Big Swing will teach him how to not be a golfer then. Well, but anyway, but, uh, you know, and like I say, you help me out, I'll tell you what, I'll, I'll come work for you. Like I say, 
I'll, I'll carry your bags all over. I'll be the guy that kisses your ass on the set. You know, I'll suck up to you. I'll, I'll get people, I'll keep people away from you when you're having dinner. I'll do all that for you. Oh, wow. And it, it sounds so tempting. I would do it and not even ask you to kiss my ass and stuff. Because that's okay. just the kind of person I am. But um, even better, I'll let you do all that if you find me an investor for the show. I'll work on it. Okay. But, yeah, I mean, I, I don't ask you, my friend. I mean, the way I found out about you was a uh, good friend, Cynthia Rock Rock. Right, right. And, uh, yeah, I'll tell you she what, I fell in love with her uh, in the Dukes of Hazard movie. I told her about that. I, you know, I said I wish I was one of the opponents that she had that she kicked out of the ring, you know. Uh, and, uh, you know, she's like a, like a 20-degree black belt or something. And, uh, you know. Well, ninth degree, uh, but that's. She could still well, she's kill awesome, you, you know, before you hit the ground. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, she could definitely kick the hell out of us. Uh, yeah, and no, I know that you had... a, a, you'll you'll like this. I created a series for her, and uh, my manager is arranging to get it to Amazon because they want to build shows around her. And it's called A Case of Homicide, and you'll like that. It's like the X Files meets. Walker, Texas Ranger, set in Springfield, Massachusetts. And it's like she's a detective and she is a little person partner and kind of like a, a lone gunman computer geek that like helps them out. And they do all the bizarre cases, but because she can kick ass, you know, she gets involved. There's a lot of martial arts involved. I know, and she she is awesome, man. I'll tell you what, uh, when she uh, when she said that she could hook me up with you, I said I, I I would love I would love to chat with him. And then you know you and I became friends. I hope you consider me a friend. I hope you do. Uh, you know uh, I made you that cool. Oh sure, card. you're more Facebook friend than me now. Right, and I, I made you that cool collector's card. You know, you know which one I'm referring to. Yeah, the one that I use for my post now. Right, exactly. See, uh, you guys, uh, Granny, Big Swing, you can see how popular the icon is becoming. You see that? Just so you guys know, when, when, know. I, when I get to – when Dave takes me to the big time, I'm going to bring you guys with me because I'm going to need someone to carry my bags and shine my shoes. <laughs> yeah, the funny thing is yeah, yeah, oh, hey. And Icon, are you going to want Granny to? Are you going to want Granny to be your bodyguard? Yeah, with your hurricane, definitely. Okay, yeah, whatever. It, you know, I have a cane, but I don't call it a hurricane. But that's okay. <laughs> who, who's going to be your butt buddy for this thing? That's what I don't I'd know. like to. We'll we'll, uh, we'll 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 talk about that later. <laughs> uh, uh, ther- therapy's on session next week on that. So okay, that's now. Uh, David Shelton is our guest. We have we have a, about thirty minutes here left with you. Now, you and I were talking about a court case uh, that you're that you're involved in, and we want you to tell us all about this. Now, the guy cool. that uh, you you went up against uh, was in the movie No Holds Barred. Uh, he played Zeus in that movie, 
And uh, he was also in uh, Armed and Dangerous with John Candy and Eugene Levy. Uh, he was he he called he played the muscle bound jerk Bruno in that movie, uh, the security guard. Uh, he was kind of a jerk there, and uh, he was kind of a jerk there. And he was a jerk in uh, No Holds Barred. And he's a jerk because he won't come on this show. So we want you to go ahead. And you know what? That basically describes him in real life, too. But he's not hes not directly part of the lawsuit, but he's involved in it peripherally. So can I give you kind of the background on it? Yes, we do. We, we got time. Go ahead. Tell us what you got. Okay. All right. Basically, I wrote a, a dog script called Keep That Dog Alive that I did with Erwin Keys. And then we had an option on it. So I went out and started finding actors for it. And one of the parts, is, it's a really cute family dog film. And then I got, um, so I went after, I met Tiny Lister in the parking lot of a bank. He had just robbed it and he was on his way out. And I said, hey, Tiny, would you like to do a movie? And he dropped the money bags and he said, okay. And so, and then he said, God brought us together. And then, okay, I said, whatever. And and so he signed on to the movie. I sent him the script. And then the option had run out because the guy, of course, didn't have any money. And I approached another one because I signed with Shoreline Entertainment. And they're a big distributor in management. They did Glenn Gary, Glenn Ross and things. So I signed with them. Well, then I found out that Tiny had been convicted of mortgage fraud. I don't know if you read about that. But, yeah, so he never really had to serve time, but he was convicted. He, like, built people out of, like, $5 million. It was, you know, pretty nasty. And then I started seeing him at different events, and he wouldn't talk to me, and he was just, like, really nasty. Then there's a, a thing out here called AFM, American Film Market, where independents and other people go to try to sell and finance their films. Well, I found out that a guy named Rolf Konevsky, who I worked with him on his first film, he, does, he used to do like a lot of late-night Showtime movies and Skinamax, and then he tried to start doing regular movies. And you know, I kind of then told me then that he went to a meeting at AFM where Tiny was there with a guy, a producer named Jerry Bryant. And this producer had told Rolf that they were doing a dog movie and that Tiny had brought it to them and he was involved with it, but he wasn't part of the, you know, writing or anything. Well, then Shoreline got hold of it and told me that this Jerry guy had stolen my script and made the movie and Rolf helped them on it, still knowing that it was my script, and they butchered it. They, like, brought in horrible jokes and, you know, kind of arranged a couple little things to try to change it to hide it. But it was pretty obvious that it wasn't very, you know, different. And then they got uh, Mira Sorvino to star in it and Ralph Macchio and Mae Whitman. I mean, a, a lot of decent names, James Russo. And then Lionsgate released it. But anyway, so we approached this Jerry guy, and he wound up, like, saying, oh, yeah, well, you know, for doing that, because he said he didn't know, he'll sign a five-picture deal with me to do some of my other projects. 
and then he reneged on that, kind of taking the court on that. Then I discovered that the investor in this was named Guy Griffith, and he runs a company called Bridgegate. He did the movie um, Distorted this year. That was uh, John Cusack and Christina Ricci's new movie. He was the executive producer on that, and he had done a couple of other movies under his company Bridgegate. Well, we kind of teamed up and are going after Lionsgate now, and so there's like a huge, um, I think the court date has been set. I'm not sure when it is. But, yeah, we tag team now on this to go after them. And to show what kind of a scam artist this Jerry Bryan is, I found out from someone else who was going to help with distribution that he had set up accounts in different states around the country, bilking them out of money, and that the DAs from all of these states had to go after him. And now this Jerry Bryan disappeared, and I had to hire a private detective to go after him. So, and then I talked to Sherry Belafonte, who's a good friend of mine, and she was supposed to do this movie as well, but she read the script and she backed out. And then when I told her what had gone on, she goes, that doesn't surprise me. So it's like a huge cluster right now, but yeah, we're in the middle of litigation on this. And, um, you know, Tiny Lister, you know, unfortunately isn't named in the lawsuit. But, you know, he was definitely involved in the passing of the script. Does that blow so, your mind? Or so now uh, in this lawsuit, then, are, are you suing to get the rights back to your work? Or what What do you have to do? Well, what I wanted – well, because the movie – the, the movie wound up being called A Dog and Pony Show. And you could look it up on IMDb. It's got like 1.8 rating and stuff. Um, because they just took my script and they butchered it by adding horrible jokes. They added a farting cow that oh, like, farts. It farts two. It farts like two quarters of the movie, like half the movie. It's it's really bad. And the um, and Ralph Macchio acts more like a dog than the dog does. And, and Mira Savino looks like she didn't even want to be there. So oh, yeah. Man. It was, and I was I was just so oh, I was like at the end of it when I found out what was going on and then when I saw the movie and everything. So I told the attorney and guy that I just want, you know, to collect whatever money there is and I don't want my name on the script because it's so bad that I just want the money that we could get from it, basically. So let me ask you this then. You know, you wanted your name off of it, but let me ask you this, and I, I, I know this is a hypothetical question, but I just got to ask you this. Say that the picture, as it's written, because they butchered it, makes a million dollars. Would you sue them to get that million dollars back, or would you not be able to do that? Well, that's part of the lawsuit is to collect funds, and Lionsgate – is now responsible because they're the ones that pick the movie up without doing their due diligence to find out that there was litigation against the film. So, no, I just, I just want the money. I don't want my name connected on IMDb as a writer. Um, you know, maybe I'm still considering an associate producer title, but, you know, it's so bad that I really may not want it on there at all. But uh, we're still figuring that one out. 
But no, I, I just basically want them to and the scary Brian to be held responsible for what they did to me. And as I said, unfortunately, Tiny Lister's name isn't on it, but I know for a fact from, you know, told me that he he's involved with stealing my strap. Which which totally and I, I always said that if I ever come across Tiny Lister again, like I haven't seen him since, I, you know, he says, you know, my friends are going, Tiny Lister could like totally kick your ass. And I'm going like, not if I reach his nether regions first, I have a very powerful kick. So, or I'll just get Stinky to come with me. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, it sounds like, you know what? It sounds like uh, you uh, could use uh, the icon finishing maneuver. It's called junk punch him in the man business. Oh, really? How many times have you had to use it? Uh, well, no one will uh, let me get into the ring because of that finishing maneuver. So, you know. Oh, is it still considered illegal? Yes, it is. But uh, if the referee's back is turned, it's not. Okay, that's good. You know, they always do that kind of stuff in WWE anyway. Right, exactly. I mean, I, I learn I learned from the best, you know. I mean, you know, uh, okay. at, least, as at least I say so. You know, that's try right. to anyway. So, that's, so that's basically what's happening with that project. So, um, uh, Dave, uh, we have a, I have a favor to ask you. Uh, you know, because I already I already mentioned how much I, I want to come work with you and be involved in your projects, and uh, I don't, you know, I hope you would, you know, you know, I'm serious and would take me up on that because, you know, uh, and I, you guys, you just had to bear with me for a little bit because I got to do this, but you know, the icon is destined for stardom, and you know, he just needs to find the, uh, you know, the uh, the right the right course. stuff. And, uh, you know, I think that uh, your help, uh, you could get me there. And I'm not, I'm not saying this uh, to be pompous or be egotistical, but, you know, if you have me involved in your project, everybody's going to know about it. Because I'm going to tell every single buddy, person, everybody I tell is going to tell 10 people. They're going to tell 10 people, and they're going to tell 10 people, and Granny's going to tell five people, and her five people tell 20 people, and Big Swing's going to get on ESPN Radio and tell everybody. Uh, I mean, it'll be the best thing that could happen. That would be the best thing that happened, and I'll hold you to that, too. That would be great. I, I I will I will do I will do anything for you. Well, Icon, you're gonna tell ten. Why is Granny only telling five? Are you saying she doesn't know as many people? No, 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 no. She's gonna she's gonna tell five first and then she's gonna let them tell two and she's gonna tell five more people. And yeah. I'm just buzzing it, your it, balls, Icon, I know. I know, <laughs> I know, I know. Like, 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 she sounds really cute. Well, let me tell you a little bit. Of, let me tell you a little bit about Granny, okay? Like I said, I am not a wrestler. First of all, I, I I'm just a big wrestling fan. That's just a gimmick name that I was given because I love wrestling. But you talk about kind of being a celebrity icon. You know, you gotta you gotta remember 
that when traditional championship wrestling was running in the state of Arkansas, they ran, they did their last show in 2013 in Fort Smith, Arkansas. I was on a lot of those TV tapings when we were in Fort Smith and Clarksville and, you know, places like that. You know, I, uh, Nashville, Granny went to Nashville one time for TCW, but I didn't get to make it to the Mississippi shows or anything like that. But, um, they still show the old reruns of TCW down in the Little Rock area on TV. And um, I, I still, to this day, have people come up to me and say, hey, aren't you granny? Aren't you that lady in that yellow shirt? Now, I've got one shirt. This is what you're going to do when Granny Holster goes crazy on you that I still occasionally wear to independent wrestling shirts. What I've are you going to do? Name for about, what am I going to do? Well, it depends on who makes me mad what I do. <laughs> But you know, well, I, I've had this I've had this gimmick name for about seventeen years, so you know I'm fifty six totally years old. About, I totally feel how you feel about you know, when someone makes you mad. You just wanna to totally go off on them. I totally understand Well that. Tommy Dreamer Tommy Dreamer took my cane out of my hand because I had not had my first knee surgery yet. Tommy Dreamer took my cane out of my hand and used my cane on Matt Riviera during the match. And was this a hard, like, maple cane or something? No, it was just a regular, like, it was one of those fold-up canes like you buy at Walmart, you know, that folds up. And he, he, like took, he took, no, it's not a hurricane. It doesn't have the little footrest thing. It's just the, it's just the cane. It doesn't have the little three-prong thing on it. It's just a regular cane. And he had Matt Riviera down on the floor, and he took that, and the announcer's like, oh, my God, he's going down to the nether regions. And then he walks down, and he swings my cane. Well, because it was one of those fold-up ones, it looked like he broke it. So everybody's like, oh, my God, he broke Granny's cane. And then he comes back and takes the handle and tucks the handle under Matt Riviera's tights and pulls up on the cane and makes him hop like a bunny rabbit. Matter of fact, I just shared a picture today on my Facebook from a picture from that picture that I shared about three years ago. Now, like I said, TCW quit running in 2013. I mean, I've I've had dinner with Tommy Dreamer. I've had dinner with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. I've met a lot of big time wrestlers over the years. You know, through through independent shows that I've gone to. But yeah, I'm, I I oh, love I'm, I love hollering at the bad guys. I love doing what I do, and I have I a friend was, over in Oklahoma. Uh, go ahead. Oh, I, I'm sorry. I was just gonna say I had you were mentioning all the wrestlers when I was at Tiger Beat. I was covering like uh, doing interviews with Cindy Lauper, and she introduced mm-hmm. me to like um, all the big like Lou Albano, and so mm-hmm. I started Captain Lou. Yeah, Captain Lou, and then George the Animal Steel, and, you know, everybody around the Hulk Hogan era. That was really cool. Yep, yep, yep. Well, you know, I actually actually have a friend that does independent wrestling shows over in Oklahoma for kids that have got cancer called Wrestling for a Cause. I'm friends with Trevor Murdoch, and he was part of the WWE for several years when him and Lance Cade, his partner Lance Cade, was still alive. You know, I'm friends with... Beautiful Bobby Eaton from the Midnight that wrestled with the Midnight Express. I mean, like I said, you know, you talk about Hulk Hogan days. I mean, like I said, I'm friends with Hacksaw Jim Duggan. 
you know, and uh, I've I've met, you know, oh, yeah, I. Yeah, I love Hacksaw. So he just got out of the hospital, right? He was in the hospital over Thanksgiving. He had an issue with um, his heart went into AFib. He and he was actually in ICU over Thanksgiving, but he's home. He's doing really well, and I'm. Our well wishes go out to him and his family. So, I know that's great. You know who you should interview is speaking of wrestling is a really good friend of mine. She's 19. I've known her since she was a kid. Um, her name is Faith Jeffries. They call her Faithy J. She's an actress, singer, and she's like a fifth-degree black belt. She's now one of the stars of Women of Wrestling. And wow. they're, they're on Access TV now. Her first um, show is in January, and she's the newest of the wrestlers. Her, her stage name is Lioness. And, you know, you should check her out on Instagram or Facebook under Faithy J, F-A-I-T. Baby J. Faithy. I, I will definitely do that. But F-A-I-T-H-Y and then the letter J. And, yeah, she or look under Women of Wrestling. And, oh, my God, she kicks ass. She is just, she's definitely something. So, so I can type in Baby J and find her then. Faithy, Faithy, F-A-I-T-H-Y, Faith, like, you know, like, Faith, the word Faith, and then out of Y on the end. Like in Faith, like in something people in L.A. don't have anymore. All right, Uh, Faithy J. Not baby, Faith, Faithy J, (laughs) F-A-I-T-H-Y. Yeah, I got it, right here, I got her. People from, you guys are from the Midwest, right? Yeah, I live in Arkansas. I could tell. It's so nice hearing people from other parts of the country that have, you know, real accents and real lives and stuff. And, um, you know, I've been out here so long. It's like people out here forget what the rest of the country is like. Well, I'm originally from, I'm originally from Kansas. I've only I moved to Arkansas in 1988, and and I moved to Springdale where I live at now in 1999. But I'm originally from Kansas. Renee, I was born in 1998. You were born in 1998. Excuse me. Or 88. I was born in 1988. I mean, excuse me. 88. I was going to say, okay, you're you're a year younger than my son because my son was born in 87. So. Okay. The only thing, the only thing that I can relate to in those numbers is the number eight, and I'm going to leave it at that. <laughs> I, I'd be giving my age away. Although I was at the bank today, and someone said, "You're that." And I go, yeah, unfortunately. And he goes, oh, my God, you look 20 years younger than your age. And I'm like, that is the nicest thing I've heard all day. Well, that's good. Yeah, and I don't even use anything. I get it a lot, too. Like, I mean, I'm 30, and I get, um, like, if I shave or whatever, I get ID'd for, like, rated R movies. It's crazy. (laughs) Oh, that's great. See, if I could say I was 30 and I looked 25, but, you know, that era to me is still all, you're just kids. You know, I don't, I don't want to, because I'm friends with some of the Brady Bunch, 
And mm. let's just say when the Brady Bunch came out, I was in school. Hmm. Well, wow. you know, it's funny because you say, oh, well, that era is all just kids, whatever. My brother, <coughs> my brother's, uh, uh, I got to do math on the fly here, 95, so 23, um, that era. And him, his age from like 18 to about 23, I look at him now and I go, damn, you know, like, yeah, that was us once, but like the, the, the stuff, the stuff. The stuff that's popular with them and the sayings and the styles and the music and the everything, like, I feel like I'm an old geezer now. Cause I'm looking at this like, yeah, I'm 30. That's not old. But I'm looking at this going, geez, like, what's up with, like, I, three or four times a day, three or four times a day, I hear myself saying kids these days. And, and then I look at myself saying, Jesus, what am I, 60 or 30? Like, why do I say that? But, but I find myself saying that a lot. You don't, you don't dab anymore? Um, not anymore. Every once in a while, you know, if alcohol is involved, but, but no, not really. Okay. Well, to me, and I found out, um, this, one of the kids in my show, his name's Zachary Rice. He did a voice in the minions and he was in the babysitter. Well, he's the one that told me about dabbing and I go, show me. And I go like, are you sure you just don't have epilepsy or something? And this is the way to cover it up. But it was just so bizarre seeing the kind of stuff that like kids are doing these days. And it's even, really nuts. Even, even back when I was a kid, and and some of the stuff that we're doing on Professor Creepy is, you know, kind of time. We're trying to be timeless with it. And you were mentioning about you know helping cancer. Um, I wrote the theme song for Special Olympics, and I use a lot of special needs kids as dancers. On Professor wow. Creepy, and that's awesome. Which is so cool to be able to do that, and um, and they just enjoy it like some kids in wheelchairs and autism and Down syndrome, and we dress them up in the costume, and it's a, they have like a blast, and it looks really cool. If you go to see the special, you'll be able to see them dancing. See, my son will be 32 in January, uh, January 23rd of 2019. He'll be 32, and he was diagnosed with bipolar disorder when he was 11 years old. So his mentality sometimes isn't that of a 32-year-old. I mean, but, right. you know, ba- I mean, but basketball, he loves basketball, you know. I mean, I remember watching Double Dare, you know, I mean, because like I said, he was born in 87, so, you know, um he, you know, I I know he watched Double Dare when he was a kid, you know, and everything, and you know, but oh, wait, uh, you, you yeah, he's. You have a son that's thirty-two. Yeah, he'll be thirty-two in January. I'm fifty-six. Oh, I thought you were like twenty or something. No, 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 no. I turned, I turned fifty-six in August of this year. Well, happy birthday. That's why well, we thank call you. her Granny, so, Granny Hulkster, because she's, well, she's everyone's you know, favorite Granny. Yeah, I have a lot of adopted grandchildren. I have no grandchildren of my own except my son's dog. So you know. Thankfully, I don't. And thankfully, uh, I she, children she also has us as well. Yeah. Now I have the, the weirdest thing that happened to me that I was worried that I had kids was back in you know and screw this Me Too movement. It's like back when I was a rock journalist, I got to um, to work and cover 
Patty Smythe and Scandal. She's married to John McEnroe. And they had, this was in New Jersey, and they'd rented a hotel after the show. This was in Asbury Park. And so I was invited, and I was writing about it. Well, I don't know what happened, but I woke up the next morning naked in bed with this fat girl who was smiling. And I don't know why she was smiling, because I don't remember any of it. And the last thing I... I was thinking about was, oh my gosh, is someone going to come up to me crusty style, crusty the clown style, and go, Daddy? And I'm like, thankfully, all these years, that's never happened. Wow. You know, um, hey, I, I don't have any kids that I know about, so I, I'm, I'm with you there. I mean, I, yeah, I, can, well, I, can, I can say a joke about that, but you, you'd you probably think less of me if I said that joke, so I don't think I will. Oh, we no, probably no, will I'm anyway. The, I'm the most politically incorrect person in Los Angeles. So, oh, please. Okay, so uh, that night you gave new meanings the word roll me a fatty? <laughs> wait, wait, so so the most politically correct person in Los Angeles, however, that that's not really that difficult to do because I mean again, I live out here in New York, but out but based on what I'm hearing about the culture out that way, isn't there a lot of that sensitivity out there? There's a lot of that um no, I said I'm, I, I'm gonna go ahead and say snowflakes. Or right. you know the I'm, I'm, the people who who get upset about every little thing out out in that area of the country. I, I said I was the most politically incorrect person. Well, that's what I meant. Politically incorrect. Yeah. Yeah. No. Everyone is so politically sensitive out here. It's ridiculous. You know, you can't say anything without having someone bend it out of shape and things like that. So um, I have That's a character. What I thought. New York's the same way, at least in the city, anyway. Not not up upstate, but in the city, it's the same way. And but I know everything you hear about Los Angeles. That's where you hear a lot of the, uh, I guess, quote unquote, snowflake movement. Where like every time you hear something, there's a new protest, or there's a new hashtag for something, or there's a new, you know, whatever it may be. It always seems like it's out there in L.A. So I was just well, thinking to myself, like, wow, like they must be really you know, sensitive out there about stuff. Yeah, it's the it's the most anal place without getting it. Like, you know, I, I've I've seen more pink pussies with people with their clothes on. That's how bad it is out here. Wow. So, uh, I like that though. <laughs> but that, that's a good I'm gonna start using that. I grew up in New Jersey where, you know, and even Jersey now has become very sensitive and liberal and stuff. Not, and I grew up around the mob in northern New Jersey. And, you know, we were like, whatever, dude. It's like, however you say, you say we're up front. And, you know, and New York used to be that way. You know, I lived in the city. I went to the new school where I studied animation yep. before I started working. And I lived in the city. And, you know, I've been in the city a million times growing up, you know, with what's happening with your governor there and, you know, and New York, it's, it's because it's the whole thing. It's become ridiculous stuff. And I see. Oh, it's crazy. Yeah. It's like, if you can't do jokes, you know, I do a lot of stand up as well. I've written, I've worked on a book with Judy Tenuta, the comedian, and I worked on a book called Comic Lives, which was about stand up. 
And everybody we talked to, from Andrew Dice Clay to Richard Lewis to Bobcat Goldplate, you know, it was all about pushing the envelope. And that comedy allows you to just kind of be politically correct. And when you have to be sensitive even to that, you know, then comedy dies. And so you can't even have a friggin' cowboy and Indian party anymore like Kevin Hart did. Well, because you can't say Indian. Right, or Redskins. And you know what's funny? Well, you know, here's the interesting thing about that. When I was a kid, I I never played cowboys and Native Americans, okay? Yeah, Yeah. me neither. (laughs) You know, to me, I didn't even – I thought I was a Native American because I was born Mm. here. So Native Americans and stuff, so – You know, it's ridiculous. And, you know, at the same time, all these little liberals were getting upset over him having that party is the Cowboys, the Dallas Cowboys were playing the Redskins like the same day. And I'm going like, okay, then why aren't those, you know, like 50 or 60,000 people in the stadium not protesting them playing and stuff? They were upset. I uh, working working for for ESPN, I I have had that argument not so much anymore it's kind of uh it's kind of faded away now but i i had for a while uh calling up and asking you know about the about the name and and saying that you know the redskins uh it's derogatory it's like the same as saying the n-word and that they should change their name and that it's a shame on the league for allowing it and yada 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 and that was a big thing so and funny thing, because I, I know I know we don't have too too much longer with you, but I, I think this this is everywhere from you know from uh, L.A. to New York. At, at ESPN, what, what what I used to do was you know we used to you know have your co-host you used to say all right, well what do you want to talk about today? Okay, this. Okay, cool. What's your what's your take? Okay, what's yours? Okay, cool. Let's go on and do it. When Disney bought ABC, who owns ESPN. They came out and said, "Okay, well, you know, these are these are going to be your topics for the day." Which I thought, "Hey, cool. Now we don't have to do as much research at home till two in the morning to find something to talk about." Fine, cool. But then they said, "Okay, well, here are your topics that today's show is going to be about, and here is your opinion on them." And that's when I got a little kind of disheartened because radio was made. To be an avenue of free speech, that that's that's, that's the, right. o- the sole the sole reason why we had it, and now the fact that they're saying, well, if you're going to be on our airwaves, you're going to have this opinion, uh, or at least on FM airwaves, you can say whatever you want on the satellite station, but uh, if you're going to be on our FM airwaves, because literally, if one person calls up, like what I'll do now is I'll I'll, I'll throw it out there, I'll be the mediator, I'll bring a topic up. And I'll just let the callers call, and the callers argue with each other and call each other every name in the book. Because if I say one thing, and my program director gets a phone call and says, "Hey, I was listening to you know Swigs and Bloom this morning, and uh, they said something really off color, and it's really offensive, and I don't think I want to listen to your station anymore if that's who you have employed because it really hurt my feelings." I'm off the air. I have one phone call, so right. it's, it, it's just it's one of those like, you know, one of those situations. So I I know exactly what you're saying about all that. One person complained about the Cleveland Indians logo, and now they're not putting him on. That's yep. ridiculous. 
the 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 chief or whatever because it's smiling Indian and it was supposed to be people are thinking of it as as a derogatory uh, sort of a thing like saying that oh all Indians were dumb and this and that. basically because what happened was I everybody knows the history the you know the, the the Europeans came over here and you know it was basically a slaughter we wiped out all the Indians and we you know we we took over Manifest Destiny right. Well, everyone now is saying my ancestors, were, my ancestors were thrown out of Egypt and we had to walk around the world for 40 years. You know, that was yeah. easy either. No, exactly. You know, but they're guys, saying like, you know, they're uh, saying, oh, the Indians weren't really smiling. This is a wrong portrayal. And it's just people are going to find something to complain about nowadays. Whatever it is, even if it's not a bad thing, they're going to find something to complain about. And that's one of the things oh, about society that makes it tough. So. About Charlie Brown's Thanksgiving, that Franklin yeah. sitting alone on a, a folding chair, and that's racist. And yeah. I mean, that's like yeah. ridiculous. And now, you know, have you heard of Ho Ho's, the, the chocolate um, dessert? Right. The pack dessert? I used you to know, eat them, yeah. People, people are saying that's a reference to like prostitution. And I'm going, like, that is so freaking screwed up. <laughs> You know, they're hey, also something I, to complain I, about. Hey guys, they're also targeting. They're also targeting Rudolph the Red-Nosed Reindeer now as well. Heard yeah, that? Because it's about bullying and stuff. Right, but you know, and, you know uh, David Shelton's our guest. We have about uh, we got about uh, eight minutes here left with you. You know, uh, huh? you know, you guys were talking about the whole Indians and everything. Uh, you know, I think Wesley Snipes quote in the movie uh, White Man Can't Jump uh, uh, sums it up best. Columbus shook hands with the programs and look who got screwed. You know? <laughs> yeah. And I'm sorry, but um, I play basketball and I could jump pretty high, so white men can jump. The only line, it actually worked in, like, Mel Brooks is a big influence on me, and I actually wrote a spoof of Blazing Saddle called Little Guns that we're working on as well. And I worked with Mike Dunleavy, who used to coach the Lakers, and I worked in the recruitment camp. So I know basketball really well. And, you know, I'm sorry, but, yes, white men can jump. You know, exactly. you know they, they can't score, but they can jump. So, mm-hmm. you know, and, you know, I think the whole political correctness, uh, you know, not to get too political here, but I think the political correctness went out when uh, Donald Trump got elected. That's just my opinion, because uh, there's nothing politically correct about him. And I love that. I, I like someone that isn't political, that doesn't, you know, just try to panhandle to the audience. You know, it's like a comic who, you know, just tries to sound a certain way, and then they're not funny because they're trying to do it too seriously for that audience instead of just being themselves. Right, exactly. And so, makes a valid point. So, uh, Dave, um, we we got we got we got a few minutes here. Uh, if our, uh, our I just want to add, I, check oh, you I'm out. sorry, I just want to add one quick joke. I have a joke that I use out here that says, "I burned more bridges than the California fires." That's funny. That's actually pretty funny. Wow. I, I'm actually, I'm actually going to use it. You know, I'll tell you, Dave, real quick. Uh, I know you weren't listening in the beginning, but I I had a blockbuster joke here. Uh, North Dakota State University is going to be playing Colgate uh, uh, in football. Oh, he's going to hit us with it again, Granny. 
And uh, the, again. Uh, the head coach of Colgate was standing by the river in Colgate by the college waves his toothbrush. They asked him what he's doing. He said, I'm waiting for the crest. Uh, oh, good. <laughs> Back in the old days, they would have gone. Wah, wah. Yeah, well, I was, right. I was telling I got. I wish I, I wish I was in the main studio tonight instead of in the uh, side studio. So I had all the um, all the soundboard yeah. buttons. I would have hit him with Which the, you know, why, with the buttons. <laughs> see, that's why my comedy CD went triple plastic. <laughs> wah, wah. Okay. How about the cricket? Do we have the cricket sound effect? We got a few minutes here. We got to wrap this up. But if our fans wanted to check you out, you got a Facebook, you got a Twitter, you got an Instagram, you got a YouTube. Uh, What do you got? Okay. They can find me on Facebook under my name, Dave Shelton. Um, On Instagram, I'm known as I'm a gargoyle. I am a underscore gargoyle. Um, they can go to my personal website, snuggybear.com, S-N-U-G-G-Y-B-E-A-R.com. They can see all about Professor Creepy there. There are links to everything. Uh, I have another show coming out called Bitchy the Clown, and he makes Krusty the Clown look like Bozo. Um, and we're going to be doing a lot of stuff with Bitchy. So there's some stuff on there about him. And, uh, yeah, that, that's fine. I don't do Twitter. I used to get into Twitter fights with, like, celebrities, and I got blocked more times than I could remember. I had to set up more email accounts than Hillary Clinton. And so oh, I, wow. Wow. I knew you I like that one. And, um, I did so like I that did, one. I, I said that, you know, what enough of Twitter, it, you know, it just was useless to me. It didn't really accomplish anything. So, um, so those other sites are where you can find me. And, uh, you know, uh, like I say, Dave, and I, I, I know you know this already, but I, I am serious. I would do anything to come work with you. Even if, uh, if you hired me for, had me come out there for two days and fired me, uh, I'll do anything to come work for you. I mean, you know, uh, you can pay me minimum wage. I don't care. Uh, just as long as I get some food and some hot dogs and, you know, uh, a bed to sleep on, I'll, I'll do anything. Well, that's great. We have 99 cent stores out here. That could feed you. Well, well, that's better than what we have here. We have Dollar Trees here. Uh, we have them here, too, but 99 cent stores are cheaper. We have, we right. have 30 stores here, too. Well, like I say, I'll come wow. out and do anything. You, you uh, I'll tell you what. You love my work ethic. My work ethic. I give a hundred ninety-nine percent because two hundred uh, is is too much. And uh, you know, you'll One love what I is, do. And I would love that. Great. You know, and you know what? Especially if you get an investor for me, because my uh, my producers and the. Uh, the licensing agent said we can probably pull in uh, with an investor maybe about a hundred million dollars worth of merchandise the first year. So you know that's how popular the special was. But you know everyone out here they say a lot of stuff but they never follow through. That's part of the problem of LA and people are moving away from LA because of that and going to like Atlanta. But if if there was one person who was ready to invest in this and share in the licensing, then you could totally come out and do that. 
You know, I'll have to hook you up with another buddy of mine, Michael Breton. Uh, he is, uh, I'll tell you what, you should check him out on Facebook. He's doing a documentary about myself, uh, and he's a great independent uh, uh, wrestler, too. He knows how to get uh, he knows how to get sponsorship and funding because he's done so many documentaries, and he's had to get funding for it. Uh, maybe the three of us should get together and just talk. Oh, that would be great. You know, Cynthia is going to somehow be part of it. And, you know, as I said, I've got every major guest star to come on. It's going to be a huge, huge show. And just the fact that we had so many viewers just for Roku, it's kind of setting a precedent for original programming. Awesome. Well, you know, I'll tell you what, Dave, we got to wrap this up. We're running out of time. We are getting the signal. So uh, I do appreciate you taking time out of your schedule. I'll be in contact with you this week, and uh, I'll work on hooking you up with uh, – it's Mike, uh, B-R-E-D-O-N, on Facebook. He's a friend of mine. You can check him out. Uh, And uh, he did a great uh, Spooky Movies Mad Frank project, Uh, the guy that used to uh, run these great D-minus horror films would be a perfect guy to be part of your project, too. Oh, any anything that's weird and alternative, that's what we like. And, you know, you I have and, to say you got in some of the most fun interviews I've had in quite a while. At least and if, you're looking for, and if you're looking for weird, the icon is it. Well, yes, I, I don't know. Yeah. yeah, he is. He's uh, not lying. <laughs> hmm? that's, even, that's even better. Awesome. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we appreciate you taking time out of your schedule, and uh, I'll be in contact with you, and we'll get everything hooked up for you. Okay, this has been a blast, you guys. And we do want to have you, you as well. Yes, uh, definitely. Awesome. I appreciate it. So I can. Ladies and gentlemen, the man, the myth, my buddy, my friend, Dave Shelton. And one of the only guests we have that doesn't have a restraining order on the icon. We will see you next week right here live. It's the Attitude Era Live. Stay tuned for Monday Night Football coverage right after this. Dead man.